Well, we've made it to mid-May, and you're still with us on Speak, Lord, even though we're not bringing you new content, we're bringing back some old stuff that's still good. And today I want to focus on the basics of the gospel with Paul and Jesus and Habakkuk. So there are a few times in Speak, Lord, that I got stuck on a theme, and I did a part one and a part two. I'm going to bring you a part one and part two from Ephesians chapter two. This first part, it brings us face to face with a tough truth that we have to accept about human nature. And the second part highlights a hope we have in God that is pretty much invincible. Like you can put this hope after any depressing truth and you're victorious in Christ. So this is a gospel presentation we shared in November 2021 from Ephesians 2. I'm going to play part one and part two, and then when those are done, i got a couple more episodes to add on at the end. You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. Ephesians 2 begins like this. As for you, you were dead. Those words, you were dead, are a very strange thing to say. Think about it. You can't actually say those words unless someone was dead and is not dead anymore. You were dead. So they're alarming words and they're hopeful words. If you stay dead, you never hear those words. These words clue us into a very hopeless past and an awesome present reality and future hope. Ephesians chapter 2 has been a special one for me for a long time. Years ago, I memorized it, and it's one of those gospel presentations that summarizes the whole story. It begins with the reality of sin and takes us through the transforming work of Christ, and then it launches us out as God's workmanship. I'm going to take two weeks to think about the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And we have to start right there in verse 1. I'll finish the sentence. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Dead is not a happy word, and it's really scary when we use it about ourselves. And scripture teaches that death is our reality until we have been made alive by Christ. It's a very harsh realization, and we have to grasp the hopelessness of sin before we appreciate the good news of a Savior. I'm thankful that Paul says it so bluntly because we actually can convince ourselves we aren't dead. In fact, in verse 2, right after he says, you were dead in transgressions and sins, he says, in which you used to live. That's a weird way to say it. You were dead in the way you used to live. When we try to live in this life without Christ, We're actually trying to live out a miserable paradox of making a living out of being dead. Paul zeroed in on this for the Ephesians. Ephesus was this beautiful pagan city. Paul was doing missionary work there. And we know in Acts 18, he was talking to them about their idols. And he said in verse 26, that man-made gods were no gods at all. Now, they had this huge temple to Artemis, their man-made god. And Paul comes along and says, they're not gods at all. And then they freak out because people stopped buying their idols. So Paul's preaching was affecting their economy. 
there were people literally making a living out of crafting dead gods. We have this ability to convince ourselves that we're spiritually alive when we are not. Like Paul says, we used to live in death. And we can convince ourselves that those things make us come alive, that these idols we make are actually affording a good living. But if there's anything that makes us feel alive that is not Christ, it's not really life. And verse 3 says, all of us lived among them. This depravity includes all of us. Paul describes it as gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, the things that we thought were bringing us life. Paul doesn't list any grievous sins. You don't have to murder or commit adultery to be dead. You just have to not be alive in Christ. All of us in our default mode are dead. In verse 4, it says that we were by nature objects of wrath. That's a dark, hopeless picture. But it is an essential piece of the gospel that we need to recognize. When we see the depravity of sin, then we see the beauty and the necessity of grace. When we prop ourselves up and try to make our dead selves look alive without the life-giving power of God, we're actually robbing God of his glory. We are not acknowledging the saving power that makes dead things come to life. I find a true freedom and joy in recognizing that without Christ, I'm not just bad, I'm dead. For me, this takes any thought of self-righteousness or saving myself completely out of the question. I wasn't just sick. I was dead. I didn't just need help or advice. I needed a savior to bring me back to life. And this would be an entirely depressing reflection if scripture said the words, you are dead, but it doesn't say that. It says, you were dead. All of us were dead. But in Christ, that is past tense. You were dead. In these three words, we confront a serious reality of our condition. And we also see a hope that in Christ, we don't have to stay that way. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You're listening to Speak, Lord. I'm Ryan Rogers. The worst of situations can become hopeful when they are followed with the words, but God. That's what we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. The first three verses, we talked about them last week, say that we are dead. In fact, all of us were there, and we were by nature objects of wrath. That's a pretty discouraging description. And then in one of the most hope-filled transitions in all of Scripture, right after saying we were by nature objects of wrath, Paul says, but God. Go ahead and take the worst of your sinful nature, the thing you are most ashamed of, that thing you've worried is never going to change, and hold that before God and then hear the words, but 
God. Yes, those things might be a reality, and we need to face them, but God. There's a God who sees that reality and has the power to change it. The verse continues, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, around 30 times. All the good things happen in Christ. Our resurrected life from the spiritual death of sin is inseparably linked with Christ's life. And he follows this but God statement with three phrases that share a prefix that mean together with Christ. He made us alive with him. He raised us up with him. And he seated us in heavenly places with him. Here are three realities that happen together with Christ. They don't happen apart from him. They happen with him. Each of these phrases are said in past tense. He made us alive. He raised us up. He seated us with him. And that's because they are already accomplished. They are spiritual realities in Christ. So if we feel dead, when we come to Christ, we know that we actually have already been made alive. We might feel very low, but we know that the reality of who we are in Christ is we are raised up. And even though we are living on this earth, the text says that we are already seated with him in the heavenly realms. I remember as a kid, we had this thing where when we got up from our seat, we'd say, spot back. And that meant this is my seat. And even though I'm not there for a minute, I get it back. And right now we are away from that seat with Christ in heaven, but he's saving it for us. Just like you might save a seat, reserve a seat for someone you know is coming, Christ has reserved a seat, and the spiritual reality in him is that we are already seated with him in the heavenly places. In the eyes of God, we belong. It's like we're already there because he's already done the work to bring us there. And this is so important because we see these two extremes, dead in sin and alive in Christ. It's like there's no in-between, and yet we feel very in-between. We feel like there's some good, but I'm still struggling. And when we see the spiritual realities, the past tense accomplished work of Christ, that should communicate to us that we don't need to wait to feel that we have been changed to believe that God has done it. Don't make this a barrier to coming to Christ. Don't wait to feel that these things are true. Believe God. Believe that he has done these things, and these are spiritual realities for us to claim in Christ. Verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one can boast. Martin Luther said, When I look at myself, I don't see how I can be saved. When I look at Jesus, I don't see how I could be lost. 
when I have received Christ and then I doubt my salvation, I'm not doubting myself. I'm doubting the power of God because it's his power that saves me and none of my own doing. Not only does he save us, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. His grace is powerful enough to bring the dead to life, but it's also good enough to change us so that we can walk in good works. There's a whole lot of bad in our lives. There's a whole lot we're ashamed of. There is a past that is dead in trespasses and sins. Now follow all of that with the words, but God. How is God speaking to you? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You can find more of Speak, Lord at PastorRyanRogers.com. That is the summary of the good news right there. We were dead, but God. So a third episode, I'm bringing back Speak, Lord for Kids, episode 75. This was recorded back in July 2020, and Rue tells us more about the gospel. Speak, Lord, for kids! Matthew 20, verses 17 through 19. Jesus was going to Jerusalem. His 12 followers were with him. While they were walking, he gathered the followers together and spoke to them privately. He said, We are going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the leading priests and the teachers of the law, and they will say he must die. They will hand him over to the foreigners who will laugh at him and beat him with whips, and then they will kill him on a cross. But on the third day after his death, he will be raised to life again. This is the time in Jesus' life when he started to tell his disciples about when he would die. They didn't want him to die. They liked being with him. And they wanted him to be a mighty ruler. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for Jesus to be treated badly. This verse tells us that the people laughed at him and beat him and they would put him on a cross and kill him, but that after three days he would come back alive. Jesus died in our place, and he rose so that we could have life. Speak Lord is a resource of the Palmer Seventh-day Adventist Church. Find us online at palmerak.org. So I'm going to bring you one more episode that focuses on the basics of the gospel, and this one Uh, brings us to Habakkuk in Speak Lord episode 68. And in this one, you can hear the kids playing in the background. I used to do these every single day. So for the past year, Speak Lord has been a weekly devotional. But for the first stint of Speak Lord, it was an everyday thing. So I would take my Bible out to the river with the kids or to the park, and I would just read a bunch of scripture and reflect on it. And in this one, I believe I'm sitting in the shade of a tree by the river and the kids are playing in the sand and you can hear them in the background. But I'm including this one because it's the basics of the gospel and it calls us to the joy and the victory 
and the overcoming power that that truth brings into our life. So I hope as we end out this week on the basics of the gospel that you can end it on a high note feeling the victory of Jesus as your Savior. Habakkuk chapter 3, 16 through 19. I hear and my bones tremble. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. There's a dramatic swing of emotions in those three verses. From rottenness in our bones to rejoicing in the Lord. In Habakkuk's prayer in chapter 3, there are some vivid descriptions of life being bad, of having very negative emotions. And those descriptions are concluded in verse 16 with bones trembling and lips quivering and rottenness entering bones. And then he expresses his desire for some revenge. He wants to wait for the day of trouble to come upon those who have invaded him. This is his concept of justice. But as Habakkuk goes through those emotions, he ends up rejoicing in God. He has brought several complaints to God, heartfelt discouragement, frustration. He's described how down he is, but he ends at a place that we should all end at by saying, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He feels like things have not been fair, but he says, hey, even if I don't get anything, even if God should take everything from me, I can still rejoice. Now that makes great lyrics for a worship song, but just think about what that means. How good must salvation be if it's something that we can rejoice in, even if everything else is stripped away. This does not mean that those other things don't matter. It means that losing everything else doesn't change the preciousness of salvation. Maybe you've gone through some emotional swings of your own and you felt rottenness entering your bones. I invite you right now to rejoice. No matter how bad it is or how good it is, we can take joy in the God of our salvation. Speak Lord is a resource of the Palmer Seventh-day Adventist Church. Find us online at palmerak.adventistchurch.org and at pastorryanrogers.com. Speak Lord, your servants are listening.